0: Hello Divine Souls, Jamila Burney here with Becoming the Big Me. I'm so excited for this special segment of the Becoming the Big Me podcast. This section of the podcast is dedicated towards sharing the stories of conquest for some incredible individuals. They are also featured in my latest book, Becoming the Big Me the great conquest. In this section of the podcast, we will dive deep into each of their stories and their journeys and their hardships from addiction, PTSD, loss of loved ones and children, This segment of the podcast is dedicated towards sharing their stories and and sharing their journeys not only of the hardships, but sharing how they overcame. To learn more about the authors behind the stories that you are going to hear, go to thegreatconquest.com. And if you would like to purchase a copy of The Great Conquest book, you can go to bit.com Dot Lee slash Great Conquest, and without further ado, let's dive into the amazing journeys. Hello, hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Becoming the Big Me Podcast. We have another um, amazing story. To share with you guys from the Becoming the Big Me book and I am so incredibly excited to be able to read you guys this chapter um, because this person has had such a massive influence over uh, the Becoming the Big Me brand and this podcast specifically. This is Dana Pedregal. She is my um, virtual assistant who specifically helps me with this podcast. So, It is just such an absolute honor for me to not only be able to have such an incredible human on my side but also to be able to include her in this project. Um, Dana uh, did ask that I read her chapter for her. Um, She is based in the Philippines and Her English is amazing in my opinion, um, but she did ask that I read her story. So I have a great pleasure to read to you guys chapter 17, Dana Pedregal, Weathering the Storm. Now, you guys, uh, before I actually start reading, I do want to... um, Just keep a couple things in mind. I did very little editing on the grammar of of this chapter. Um, I really wanted to, I didn't want to take away from from Dana's voice. And I do know that there's probably going to be some words in here that I might not pronounce correctly. Um, So please just... I'm a human, <laughs> so let's just keep that in mind. Awesome. All right, Eye of the Storm, Super Typhoon Haiyan. It was November seventh, two thousand thirteen, around eight p.m. when I called my mother back home because I was in Mandaue, Cebu at that time I checked up on them because I knew that there was a super typhoon coming the super typhoon was set for landfall in our region specifically in Eastern Samar since Eastern Samar is near our city they still have to prepare because for sure it'll have a big effect in the city too I am worried for my family but at the same time I was hoping that it'll be like the usual storm that we always experience yearly In the Philippines, we only have two seasons, and it is the rainy and hot season. During BER months, we usually have a rainy season, and we experience 20 typhoons every year. This time, none of us had any clue that this was not going to be the usual storm that we always experience. Super Typhoon Haiyan was a category five, with 195 miles per hour gusts up to 235 miles per hour Wow! Well. it was one of the largest and strongest typhoons ever recorded in history after i talked to my mom i felt relieved that they were already prepared for the storm i ended the call and got ready to go to work that night of november 7th then came november 8th at 4 a.m I was at work when the typhoon made landfall in eastern samar while at work we're also experiencing signal three of the typhoon but since our office is inside a big mall you won't feel the typhoon inside and therefore we are safe when i took my break at 7am i tried to call my mom because i knew that our place was badly hit by the super typhoon i couldn't reach anyone at home Even my classmates, friends, and loved ones were all out of reach. The signal was shut off and I was already getting anxious at that time. I waited for my shift to end and when I got home, I switched on the TV to watch the news. My cousin from another city called me to say that our place was flooded up to 15 feet high. That was the time when I started to really feel worried sick for my family because even on the TV the news reporters which were assigned to cover for the strong typhoon were also out of reach. There were speculations that there was a tsunami in Tasloban city during the storm and thousands of people and thousands of people were dead and did not survive. I did not believe any of those speculations But i was a little nervous that day i decided to go home whatever it takes i was living in an apartment and two of my housemates were also from my hometown so we talked and decided to travel home together that night of november 8th we went to my boyfriend's staff house in cebu city because it was brown brown out in All areas of mundane city. Though Cebu was in signal number three during the typhoon, it seems like the city was not affected or destroyed, which is really good. We went to my boyfriend's staff house because he told us that they had electric power. We really needed to charge our phones and other electronics we also talked about our plan to travel home what we had to expect and all the necessary things we had to bring i asked permission from my managers and they told me to go home without filing a leave because it was an emergency i am blessed to have understanding bosses the catastrophe that happened at our place had already been published worldwide we didn't know that it was such big news since we weren't able to see our place yet before we traveled home on november 9th the day after the storm at 5 a.m we tried we tried and prayed that we'd be able to get a ticket to go home although we weren't sure that there would be a sea craft schedule for that day since it might not be safe yet fortunately when we got to the port area terminal, we were the only people there to buy a ticket. The departure schedule was not yet sure, and just in case it would be canceled, they they would re- refund our money. While waiting for the departure time, we went to the groceries first to buy food and water. We bought food and water for our family because we knew it was the first thing they would need at the time. Knowing also that the banks and malls were closed, we brought with us our salary that day to suffice for our needs while we traveled there. When everything was ready, we went back to the terminal to get ready for the departure schedule. By the time we arrived there, we were in awe to see the crowd of people lining up to buy a ticket going to lay, it. it. I silently thanked the Lord that moment i knew that he was always there guiding us and he helped us to get a ticket home without any trouble we waited for our schedule to depart in the waiting area there was a big tv and it was tuned into the news everything in the news was about the disaster that happened in our city there were people crying in the waiting area and they were talking about their families back home I didn't want to worry and get emotional, so I told my housemate and boyfriend that everything is going to be all right. The Aftermath, the start of the long journey. When we arrived in Ormok City, Layette after three hours of traveling, the first thing we saw was the aftermath of the super typhoon. The city was full of debris all around. The whole place was wrecked even the beautiful hotels it was such a horrible scene and i started to get nervous but i did not let it sink in for me to keep moving we thought that it's it'll be easy going home but no it was just the beginning of our long journey from ormak city we still had to travel for two more hours to taliban city my hometown My feet were shaking while I was stepping out of the fast craft. Everything I was seeing is still surreal. I am in disbelief, but deep in my heart, I know everything that happens always has a good and valid reason. From the time I stepped out in that fast craft, I knew that I would be seeing much worse in the coming days. The first struggle that we had upon arrival in Ormoc City was the transportation going to Tal, Laban because at the time we were told that cars cannot pass through on the highway going to our city. There is a lot of debris. The place was a total wreck and it's not passable by cars. The only way is to ride a motorcycle going to a town which is one hour from Ormark, and from there you can also ride another motorcycle. We're already exhausted to and fro in the streets of Ormark just to find transportation that will take us to Tacloban. We thought that the motorcycle was already a good idea to ride home. Then we asked for the price. I was shocked because it cost 3,500 pesos per person. It was too much and the drivers were taking advantage of the passengers because there were no other options for us at that time. We refused to ride in the motorcycle and just waited for vehicles who will travel going to Talokban, even if it is a private vehicle. My co-passengers in the Seafast craft from Cebu were talking about hiring a private van that will take us to Tacloban, or even just near Tacloban. When we asked if we could join them so we'll be able to fill up the van, then we asked if we could join them so we'll be able to fill up the van. Fortunately, we found a private van that will take us to a near town in a, to a town near Tacloban. To our struggle will only be the ride going to Tacloban from that town, which is a one hour drive by car. We have an option to walk, but the problem is there was no electricity, so it will be hard and dangerous walking that far. There were no hotels and houses because it was also destroyed by the super typhoon. When we arrived in that town, we asked the driver if he could drive and take us to Tacloban. He hesitated because his baby was already crying. He was with his wife and baby that at the time. His baby was already hungry and there was no milk available anywhere because all the stores and establishments were destroyed also. They wanted to go home already so they could let the baby eat, but we pleaded and told him we will give them an extra charge if they will take us to Tacloban thank god the driver and her wife said yes because they understand the feeling of our anguish some of my co-passengers were already crying and pleading and that made them say yes when we were moving and traveling to Tacloban even in the darkness our eyes were fixed outside the window In the streets, we saw a lot of people standing and checking their houses that were destroyed from the storm. Mostly the houses were totally damaged. In that moment, the feeling of fear and uneasiness just grew inside me. I was praying and hoping that our families were all safe. We weren't thinking of our houses and possessions anymore. We were more praying for the lives of our loved ones. When we were one town away from our city we noticed that there was a lot of traffic and people had grocery bags and plastic with lots of items in it the grocery bags were from the big mall near our house and so i thought that it was from a midnight sale because it was already 10 in the evening i thought that the people bought all the goods from the mall but when we got out of the van and passed by the mall it was destroyed by the storm thus it was closed and that time and it's impossible to open the mall right away the crowd that we saw from the inside of the mall but they did not buy the goods items they're carrying with them they were looting that was already happening inside of the mall people from all walks of life were gathered inside the mall to get items that they will need especially for the food and clothing because there was no store open at that time and it may take months for someone to open up their business considering the damage that the storm brought to our city. They don't have any choice but to loot for their survival. I really didn't imagine that such a thing would happen to my home city. That moment, I was already feeling nervous while we were walking to our house. The place where I spent all my life was like a ghost town that night. It was in total darkness. People were in the streets and still shocked from the fast turn of events. They're picking up every piece that they have left after the storm. My boyfriend, now husband, walked me home before checking on his family. When we were approaching our house, I saw that the big tree was already on top of our roof. It fell down on top of our house, and I was kind of a a little bit panicky, but I was very positive that they were all fine. So while I was approaching our house, I called my parents by screaming their names because it was so dark, even though we had flashlights with us. My father heard me while he was there, and looking after our house and picking up the stuff that can, can be saved. I felt so relieved when I heard Papa's voice even through the darkness and finally when i saw him using my phone's flashlight i immediately asked where the others were at that time he told me what happened while he was leading us to our neighbor's house where they took refuge during the storm the survivor's story according to them the typhoon was very fast and destructive while they were inside our house at that moment of the storm, they held each other under our dining table because it was really strong that they knew our house would be wrecked. Suddenly, they heard a very loud noise on top of their heads, and then they saw the whole roof detached from the house, including the ceiling, and they're all scared because there is a lot of debris flying from everywhere. They might get hurt because there was no protection. There was no protection above their heads anymore. They decided to go out and transfer to a much safer place. We have two kids, three years old and nine years old in the family and it was hard to transfer while the storm was still ongoing. They put helmets on my three-year-old niece and everyone had jackets on before going out to transfer. They risked their safety at that very moment because they're not sure if there will be someone who will let them in deep in their hearts they knew that god was always with them and guiding them to a safer place when they knocked at our neighbor's house our neighbor our new neighbor did not hesitate to let them inside the storm was still very strong and even though in even the new house of our neighbor was destroyed but fortunately it was not totally wrecked they stayed in the living room and they waited for the storm to calm down we have three old people and two young kids in the family And they struggled transferring because all of them were wet and the old ones were chilling from the cold. While they were transferring to our neighbor's house, my mother bumped her foot on one of the fallen trees outside and she didn't mind it. When they're finally settling inside our neighbor's house, my mom is feeling a little unwell because of her small wound from the bump. She had a fever and she was chilling but because she is a fighter she wasn't bothered at all. She was just relaxed and resting that whole day with just a little bit of water as her first aid but looking at the wound she needed an anti-tetanus shot and it was still impossible to go to a hospital at that moment. Hospitals were also closed and have been damaged as well. My mother has to endure the pain. This story of survival from my family is only a small part from all of the people of Tacloban. There are stories that were much worse, especially for those who were living on the seaside. We were truly blessed in this situation. I'm speaking for everyone who were victims of the super typhoon in this book. For those who didn't make it through the storm, we remember and miss them. The aftermath story continues. I arrived on November 9th at 10pm. I remember when I saw them. I let out a sigh of relief and thanked God again for sparing my family from harm. They're all safe through our house, though our house was all but a mess and was totally damaged from the storm. I noticed that amongst my family members, my mom was the only one who's not feeling well, so we have to give her some sort of medication while we look for ways on how she can be treated in the hospital. We spent our night in our neighbor's house, and my boyfriend went home to check on his family early in the morning. My family decided to make a temporary roof on one side of our house so we can vacate and go back to our house. We feel it's the right thing to do and we don't want to cause so much trouble or inconvenience to our neighbor. My brother-in-law put a makeshift roof on our small terrace area and put the bed there so we can all stay and sleep there while we are still slowly picking up the pieces of ourselves and moving on that moment we didn't know that the catastrophe was already broadcast all around the world and many news centers and channels were here to witness and cover the aftermath some even came here before the typhoon so they can experience it firsthand some of the biggest news companies who were here were cnn nbc news fox news and many others from different countries we didn't know that it was really a huge thing but when we were able to roam around the city to see what needs to be done and what would be our next step we found out that it was really horrible. I cannot imagine and even give a word to describe what I'm seeing at that moment. If you go and search for it on the internet you will see a lot of articles that were written about the destruction of Super Typhoon Haiyan on November 8th 2013. If you are, side note, if you are going to Google that, it is spelled H-A-I-Y-A-N. Continuing on. Dead bodies were everywhere. You can see babies, mothers and fathers, corpses in the streets. Because of the high number of deaths in the city, the corpses were left unattended in all areas. The local government was also lacking manpower because even the officials, our mayor, and the people working the local government offices were badly affected by the typhoon. They also have a lot of things to fix for themselves, and so the rescue and revival operations were late and slow. Even the body bags for the casualties were lacking. That moment, Our mayor didn't need to tell the world about the things that we need anymore because the scene and the situation was speaking for itself. Millions of help worldwide were coming from food, clothing, medical attention, and shelter. We are overwhelmed by all the help. Even the U.S. armies, Korean, Japanese, Canadian, and many other countries came together to extend their help to us. There were a lot of NGOs who stayed in our city and nearby towns to address the needs of the people. They stayed here for many months, and others stayed here for many years. It was heartwarming. And until now, it's still hard to believe that it really happened that once upon a time, our city was seen around the world because of a strong typhoon. Going back to reality. After a few days of staying in Tacloban, I decided to go back to Cebu and get back to work so I can help and provide for the needs of my family. Even the journey going back to Cebu felt like forever. There are more hours of walking, waiting for a ride, waiting in line to buy a ticket. First, we went to the airport and hoped that we could ride an airplane going to Cebu, but the airport was also destroyed because it was just near the sea. The establishments and houses near the sea were all totally damaged because there was a storm surge during the typhoon. It is the rising of the waters from the sea to the land and it was 15 to 20 feet high that even the big houses and cars were damaged. After the storm, you can see a lot of cars above the big houses or above the gates of an office or house. In short, it was really scary and we can see it in movies, but believe me, It happened it's a tsunami like scenario that we can only see in movies when we were in the airport and saw that it was also damaged by the storm there were a lot of people waiting for a ride going to Manila or Cebu that time we were C-130s from the US and also from there were C-130s from the US and also from our own military It's still like the movies, an action movie with armies all around and jets and C-130s on the runway of the airport. There are priorities who can ride the C-130s first, and it was a free ride. Their priorities were senior citizens, PWDs, children, and also Americans who were already living there we stayed there for a long day and there was no good news about how we can ride for free or even with fare we were willing to pay for the ticket fare if it was only available but there were no airplanes on the runway only military planes and helicopters they're carrying relief goods first aid stuff and other important things that the people need it's just sad that the first responders were foreigners and not our own government but thankfully but thankfully help was pouring it doesn't matter where the help was from all that matters was to survive that same day we still waited for hours in the airport until it was dark because we were hoping that we would be able to secure a slot in the C-130 that carries people to Manilin or Cebu until there was no hope that we would be able to ride a plane the airport was still full of people waiting, and we're one of them. Then, after a while, the army announced that there, that there is a free ride going to Cebu in the, in the port area, which is located in the downtown area. It was a military ship, and it can carry about 5,000 people. We were told to line up for those who would like to ride, and so we did line up. After a few hours of waiting for the next instruction, we were instructed to ride in a six um in a six by military truck going to the port again again it was my first time to ride in a military truck and i feel like i'm going to war (laughs) then we arrived in the port area in front of the military ship and went inside to secure our spot and wait for the departure going to cebu I thought that we would depart from Taklaban that night. And so we slept in one corner of the ship because we were very exhausted, just walking and waiting all day without food and just a few drinks. Until we slept, I woke up early in the morning and I thought that we're already in Cebu. I look around and see that we are in in that we are still in Taclovan and then I asked one of the army then why we haven't departed yet and when is the departure schedule he told me that it will take three days to go to Cebu and we will depart once we um hit 5,000 in the ship when I saw the crowd inside the big ship I thought we would be able to reach 5,000 heads already that day but I cannot wait any longer for three days when we can only reach Cebu in four hours. So we got out of the ship and then we walked home again. It was more than 10 kilometers going home so it's really far but that time walking was normal because everyone is walking there and they're to get food, to go to places, visit their loved ones and seeing dead bodies and debris piled up from the storm was just normal. The city was still very messy and already stinky. There were no trees, houses, and buildings were destroyed. It was ground zero. When we arrived home, we ate and drank for more energy before we tried to go back to Cebu again. We decided to try the terminal if there is a bus going to Armak City so that it'll be near Cebu. When we got to the terminal, It was also full of people, hopeful, who wanted to go to different places in the region or even Manila just to escape the current situation. There were a few buses, cars, and jeeps, but they're for different destinations. When a certain transportation arrives in the terminal, people run and grab their chance for a slot in that bus or jeep. It was like in a zombie movie, people running everywhere and holding on to that bus or jeep so they can get out of that place. When I saw a minibus approaching, and it was for Ormoc City, I immediately ran and shoved off the people beside me so I could pass and my two travel companions. I had to be strong for both of them because at that time, they both are not feeling well, and we already have to be in Cebu to rest and take medications. Then, fortunately, I was able to secure three seats for us it's like my adrenaline rush took over when i saw that bus it was like running for our lives i'll never forget that feeling of being so active to help the people around me when finally after three hours of travel going to armok normally it's two hours i felt relieved and hopeful that we will be able to ride a sea a sea fast craft going to cebu that day just when i thought that we are the only people or somehow I think there are just a few of us who will ride going to Cebu. I was wrong because the lines are long and it was not organized and actually there were no lines because it was not organized. The seaport terminal and the office were also destroyed from the typhoon and all of us wanted a ride to Cebu. If I can remember, we were about a thousand or more waiting for a ride. Then we have to make a plan so we can buy a ticket since there are no lines and everyone is already screaming and arguing here and there. So we did get the tickets and we'll have to wait for the next day because it's the next departure schedule that is available. We spent two more days in total just to secure a slot for a ride going to Cebu because we we obviously wanted to escape the situation and everyone wanted to be in a safe place. There are also people who need medical treatment because of the wounds that they've gotten during the storm. Some really need serious treatment and the only solution they have is to go to Cebu or Manila because the hospitals here were also destroyed. That time the people in Tacloban were also asked to vacate if they can because they will spray disinfectant or something from the sky through a helicopter. Because of the strong smell from the corpses around the city, since they were collected behind time, the corpses were stinking and bloated, so the air that we're breathing was not safe anymore, especially for people with health conditions, children, and the elderly. Finally, in Cebu... When I arrived in Cebu, my body was exhausted from that journey and I felt feverish. Instead of going to work, I rested for another day and took a bath, which I haven't done for days while I was in Talcoban. After a few days, my family went to Cebu also and stayed with me in the apartment where I'm living. They're scared of what's happening in the surrounding areas because there are thieves everywhere and some bad people who take advantage of the situation. They also went through the same struggle like me when they traveled to Cebu. It was also hard because my mom was already having a problem with her wound. It got worse and maybe infected. Since she is a diabetic, her wound will really worsen and that was the reason why she was having trouble walking. They traveled with two kids, my mom, my sister, and my brother-in-law. My dad, our adopted brother, and uncle just stayed here in Talcavon to look after our house. They also went there to bring my mom to the hospital for treatment and medications. I fetched them at the port area terminal, and when they saw me approaching, they felt so relieved that finally they would able to be able to sleep and rest properly. After a few days, we had my mother checked in to a public hospital and the doctor gave us a prescription for antibiotics, even if I told the doctor that my mom is a diabetic and I know that her wound will not heal because her blood sugar level needs to be controlled first before giving her an antibiotic or other drugs from her wound. I'm not in the medical field, though I'm not in the medical field, I somehow understand the condition and treatment of a diabetic patient because my mom and my dad are both diabetic. I wasn't convinced of the doctor's prescription, but because she is a doctor and she knows more than me, we bought all the medication she needed, especially the antibiotic. It was very expensive, but nonetheless, I bought it because it was for my mom. Then we noticed after a week that her wound was not healing, instead it was getting worse. I decided to bring her to the nearest private hospital in Mandu for a second opinion and there we found out that the wound was already deep and it almost hit her bones. What we are scared of is if it already touches her bones she will have to be amputated thank god it did not go through to her bones but just so near the doctor advised us to let mom be admitted in the hospital for proper medication and treatment she was confined in the hospital for a week and my office mates helped me with some of the expenses while my mom was in the hospital there were a lot of helping hands during that time and we were able to survive a month after we spent our Christmas and New Year in Cebu and my dad also went to Cebu to be with us. My uncle and our adopted brother were the only ones left in Talcaban to look after our, ho- our house but they spent the holidays with some of our relatives nearby. It was a different Christmas because we spent it outside Talcaban and it felt a little lonely though our family was complete in Cebu. The next month My sister and her family went back to Talcabon because classes will soon start. Though schools were destroyed during the storm, they have to start the classes to catch up with their sessions. Slowly, everyone was moving on and starting to rebuild their lives, even if we have lost all our precious possessions. Some of our friends and loved ones And some of our friends and loved ones because of the storm. Family is all that matters and we can still buy the things that the storm destroyed. A month after my sister went off to go back home, I filed for a leave of absence so I could spend some time with my mom and my dad at home so I can send my mom and my dad home mom is already recovering from her wound that was brought about by the storm. It got infected because she is diabetic and thank God she is safe and out of danger. I accompanied my parents going home and I stayed at home for days to check the situation. I also thank God that we already have a roof at home because our church gave donations for every member to help us rebuild our homes. They also gave us relief goods and other important stuff that we needed. I will never forget the generosity of different individuals at that time help was sent from different parts of the world many countries came together to help our region and it will be written in the history of Talcoban city and nearby towns who were badly hit by the by the typhoon it was the toughest moments of our lives and to praise god we are we were able to overcome those trials it is hard to be away from your family during difficult times and when you are Reading this, be thankful for your family. Hug and say I love you to them because you will never know when you are going to be here on this earth, till when you are going to be here on this earth. I learned a lot from Super Typhoon and it will be forever etched in my heart. A journey home. A few months later, I received a call from my close friend and former workmate from my first job. She is convincing and offers me a job in a new company that will be operational by mid of 2014. She called me on the first week of August 2014 and I was still hesitating, um, but at the same time, I was thinking of going home and applying for work here because I want to be with my family ever since the storm happened. That call was just right on time, but I just parked the thought of it. Then came the first week of August. I went home to be with my family for my dad's birthday. While I was at home, my friend called me again and told me the big boss of this company is in the Talcaban that day and they're conducting interviews for the applicants. She told me to give it a try and that she already told the bosses that she is recommending me for a trainer position. Hesitant as I was, I decided to attend and borrowed a dress from my sister so I could go to the interview. I hurried and went to the venue and I was the only person waiting to be interviewed. In short, I was very late. My interview lasted for just a few minutes and I was not expecting to pass and be hired. I stayed in the company for four years and I learned a lot from that job. And at the same time, I got to travel to different places. Places I have never been to before. It was both work and play. I enjoyed my work as a trainer and I wanted to venture into teaching. So I enrolled to get units for a teaching course. Since I graduated from a business course, I still still need to enroll and get a few more units so I can pursue taking the teacher's license examination. Then in 2018, I got the units completed and enrolled to take the review for the board examination. I was working while studying from 2017 to 2018. It wasn't easy but if you really want to pursue your dreams you will overcome every obstacle and you will finish what you have started I resigned in August 2018 took up the licensure examination for teachers on September 30th and got the result that I passed the exam in December just when I was about to pursue teaching I got a call from my aunt the call My aunt told me that she wanted me to go to the U.S. to live and work there. If there is a visa available and applicable for me, she wanted me to apply. So she wanted me to do research. After a few days of researching, we talked again and I told her that the only available visa for me is a visitor's visa. So we looked. For other ways for me to get there easier and the only easy access was to get a student visa to Canada. Since Canada is just near the US, we opted to apply for a student visa for Canada. We have a lot of plans when I get there and we were very excited to start the process. I attended the seminar for the agencies who handle visa applications in Cebu. For me, having an agency to process your papers is really expensive and I don't want to waste that big amount of money, especially if it isn't mine. I told my aunt about all the details from the agency and the costs and then she just said yes and she transferred the money right away. I went back to the office of the agency and signed all of the needed documents to start processing my papers for the visa application. It took me more than a month to gather all of my permanent papers to submit. In less than a month, I was enrolled in one of the international schools in Vancouver, Canada. I was enrolled as a tourism student and I was excited to start schooling. Then after I got enrolled, I sent my application to the agency so they could start to process the visa. We just waited for the result, and after two weeks, the result was out, and unfortunately, it was refused. I felt sad, but at the same time, at the back of my mind, I was relieved. Because when we started processing the visa application, I began having anxiety attacks, and I think it was because of the idea that I'll be away in a different country alone. Despite the fears I have inside, I still continued the processing for the second time. This time, I was already told to have my medical examination, so we thought that this time my application would get approved. After gathering the needed additional documents, we waited for one to two weeks, but this time we are confident that we will will be approved. Just when we were about to send the final document that the officer asked from us, we received an email from the embassy that once again, the application was refused. Again, I was broken hearted for the second time around because I know now that there is a good reason why it happened. I know that my aunt is twice as heartbroken as me because she wasted a big amount of money for nothing. I felt guilty. And i wish it just didn't happen thankfully my aunt is such a good and understanding person and she wasn't upset at me or blaming me for what had happened <coughs> i thought about going to dubai with one of my cousins there so it will be easier for me to apply and get approved for the visa for canada next time this was mid-2019 and my wedding was also set for august 2019 just in case my visa will be approved and i need to fly to canada right away the plan was to let my husband follow me after i'm done with my schooling in canada but because i wasn't granted a student visa we had to withdraw the school payment and we just decided to still push through with the wedding i know that everything has its own time and season everything happens for a reason as for me and my boyfriend the wedding was already a little overdue and we know that it was already the perfect time to marry since we have been dating for nine years and six months. We are ready to move on to the next phase of our relationship. That year as well, me and my cousin started a business. My cousin bought the internet cafe from my friend and we just continued with the operations. Everything was doing well despite the challenges I have encountered since 2018 from the visa application. I thought it was already running smoothly, but our internet shop had its ups and downs from the turnover in June 2019. Though we had everything figured out and fixed, it was literally draining. It was not easy to handle a business, but because I am persistent, I was able to find ways to solve some issues that we have in our internet shop. Fast forward to March 2020. I have been hearing about the COVID-19 virus ever since the start of 2020. This is not the first time that the, that the world experienced a new virus, but it is the first time that it did not only spread in a certain country or a city, instead it spread like wildfire around the world. When our country announced that we will be on lockdown in mid-March, people started to panic by all their necessities during the lockdown my family did not join the wave because somehow we still have all that we needed it's not much but it'll help us get through the lockdown was all new to us but we needed to get ready for what's ahead when the lockdown started all businesses also needed to close except for the essentials like groceries and restaurants for takeouts only temporary closings of the business means that we don't have income for the duration of the lockdown, and we don't have an idea when it'll be lifted. Since we have no income, we think of ways on how to somehow earn while on lockdown. We open a food on the go business since many people can't go outside without any valid reason. The lockdown only allows one person per family to go out, and you are only allowed to go out to buy food. You have to leave your ID in the checkpoint. Being on lockdown was really challenging, but we had to work hard to earn despite the pandemic. Thank God our small food online business helped us to earn and it was sufficient for our needs. Then June 2021 came and the lockdown was lifted. We were still in quarantine, but that time the quarantine was lighter and some businesses were already allowed to open, but with precautions and limit in people, because of social distancing is a must we immediately visited our internet shop so we can assess what to do next upon checking and taking in consideration um, of the situation we decided to permanently close the business and sell the items that we have inside the shop it was a hard decision but it was the best decision at that time considering that we were renting the space and monthly we needed to pay for the rent while also paying for the labor costs of our two employees the biggest problem that we had to consider is the income of the shop so we could pay for all of the bills in the shop and if we still have a profit since the capacity was very limited because of the social distancing and kids were not allowed to go out due to the restrictions of their age group they needed to stay home and because of that our income was badly affected. The kids are our regular customers, and 95% of the income comes from students, which at the time was very impossible for us to generate an income because of that reason. In short, our shop was going nowhere at the time, and no one knows when the restrictions is going to end. The business was already at the lowest point because even if we chose to open it, we would still be bankrupt due to a lot of other factors income and bills must always be considered and income was not certain that time given the situation we were in if there's no income we will also not be able to pay everything so it's better to just permanently close this was again a big challenge in my life but I did not look at it negatively I'm just thankful to God that I was created and raised to be a strong woman Every time I stumble and fall, I always make sure that I stand up and come back stronger. Every time I'm faced with life's uncertainties, I know that he is by my side, holding me and cheering for me that everything will be all right. We just have to be patient and know that he is in control of everything that is happening around us. Then this happened. During the summer, while we were on a lockdown, we decided to try convincing Conceiving since it has been a year since we got married, and we are not getting younger anymore. It was the right time to try, though financially we were not prepared yet because of so many things happening around us. I still believe that if things such events are meant for you, it'll happen whether we like it or not. It's designed, it is already designed for you. Months passed by so quickly. Then in August of 2020, I missed my period and it's just usual because sometimes my period will miss out for a week or a month. I was not expecting from the very beginning that I would get pregnant that quick. I thought that I'll be having a hard time conceiving because I have a thyroid problem. Then came September. I'm now anticipating that I'll be having my period already, but until mid of that month, I still do not have it. I still drive my motorcycle when I have to to buy important things and do some errands. Then one day, my husband and I went to the downtown area to buy some stuff. I felt something in my lower abdomen. There's something wrong with my stomach because it was very painful and my hips were aching. Before we got home, I decided to buy a pregnancy test so I could check if I'm really pregnant. I bought two pregnancy tests of different brands. That night, I used the two pregnancy tests already and after a few minutes of both, it came out with positive results. That moment, I wasn't sure how to react. I couldn't feel anything, but I was happy deep inside. It's more of a worry and scared of what I will be expecting for the coming months. I'm more worried for the baby than for myself because of the pandemic. After a few minutes, I told my husband about the result and he was very happy and excited that finally we will now be having a small family. So many things happened during the last two years of my life and there were a lot of heartaches, disappointments and rejections, but it never stopped me to continue life and to love this life. It's always true that there will always be a rainbow after the rain. It has been a long two years of my life since I decided to resign from my regular job and chose what I love to do. The answer to your problems may not always be the answer that you wanted to happen, but it always, it is always the best and just what you needed. God knows your needs and he always gives you the exact answer to every problem. My takeaway from all the storms I have encountered in my life for the past 35 years. We don't always get what we want, but God gives us exactly what we need. Storms in life, this is like a bulleted list. Storms in life don't always give us negative connotations. Storms exist to hone us, to strengthen us, to prepare us, to make us the best versions of ourselves. God is always there to guide you, lead you, and mold you. Just trust him and trust the process. It is only by God's grace that I have been able to survive and get through all of the storms in life. James 1.12 Blessed is the man that endureth temptation, for when he is tired he shall receive the crown of life, when the Lord hath promised to them that love him. Next bullet point. We are only passers-by here on earth, and everything is temporary. So let's make sure to do what God wants you to do. 2 Corinthians 4.18 Well, we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Next bullet point. Indeed, we are not in control. I may not be in Canada right now, I may not be teaching right now, or I may not be as quote-unquote successful as others right now, but for me, success is only a word you can define for yourself. I am successful because I have my family with me. I am a successful mother to a healthy baby and I am very happy that God gave me the opportunity to be a mother because not every woman is given an opportunity to conceive. I am successful because I have a loving and faithful husband. I am thankful that he made me wait for the right man to marry. I am successful in every way and I am proud and happy of what I have become. It may not be the definition, it may not be the success that others perceive it to be, but for me it is the, my definition of success. I conquered obstacles that life threw at me because I have a big God that stayed with me through all of the seasons in my life. I am becoming the big me because I rose from all the tests and trials and continue to keep going each day. Gratitude. I'm thankful for this opportunity to share with you my story. Becoming the big me is an answered prayer for me. Ever since I was, <laughs> ever since I was. A kid, I used to write poems, letters, diaries, journals, and even short stories. I never shared my work to others, not even to my family, because I'm afraid that they will not like it or appreciate it, but when I told them about this book, they were happy and excited for me. I'm a certified frustrated writer, per se, but I'm happy writing, even without an audience. It's my way of releasing stress, and sadness, a big thanks to this girl, Jamila Burnie, who made one of my dreams come true. I am one of the people behind her business, and particularly her podcast. I'm happy to work for her, and I only wish and pray for her success because this girl is the most understanding and kind human being I've ever known. She trusted me, cheered for me, and helped me to get out of my own comfort zone. Writing this chapter was already surreal. Who would have thought that a simple girl from Tacloban City, Philippines will be included in an international book and to be in line with all the successful people in this book is just mind-blowing. This book will surely make you love life and all it can offer. I will leave you with my life verse, Romans 12.12. Rejoicing in hope, Patient in tribulation, continuing instant in prayer. Whew, the end. Wow. Whoo that is such a powerful, powerful story. Apologize it started to get a little emotional there at the end. Um you guys, Dana is so incredible and I'm just so proud of her and I'm so proud of the growth that she has had with me and with the company with becoming the big me and I'm so proud of her for allowing me the opportunity to share her story in in the book, in the podcast um, and to the world like I'm I feel so blessed to have Dana in my life and I really hope that you guys enjoyed listening to her story. Um, and I really hope that you enjoy reading her story as well in the latest book, Becoming the Big Me: The Great Conquest. Thank you so much for tuning into today's episode of the Becoming the Big Me podcast. I know that you found value in hearing this story today. And I would love if you could show your support by going and grabbing a copy of our book. And you can do so by going to bit.ly slash greatconquest. You can also go to www.thegreatconquest.com for more information about each of the individuals involved in this process. Thanks again for tuning in.